Welcome to the Great American Collectibles Show, heard Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on PSA.com and the PSA Facebook page. The Great American Collectibles Show is brought to you by PSA and the National Sports Collectors Convention. Tonight's headlines are brought to you by Sports Collectors Daily. For all of your hobby news, features, and more, visit sportscollectorsdaily.com. And now, your hosts, Tom Zappala and Rico Petroselli. Rico, baby. Baseball, yeah. Baseball's back, brother. Baseball's what? back. You didn't want to listen to me when I said, I know, oh, it's going to ruin the season. They'll be back. They're not that silly uh, to waste more, you know, more games and more money. So that's about the bottom line. Period. Well, you know something? Uh, I'm glad it's back. Uh, my yeah, Red yeah. Sox. Yeah. The, I read the tickets that I had here for the Sox miles. That game was canceled. Mm. But the uh, Sox looked pretty good yesterday. Or last, Actually, now it's last Thursday. They looked pretty good. Uh, I think they got a couple of holes they have to fill, but I think it's going to be a decent season. What do you think? I don't know. <laughs> how should I know? When to, how should Cause you you're, know? Because you're an insider. How should anybody you're, know? You're an insider. Don't give me They're that They're all crap. different. These kids are all different uh, from all over. And uh, I have to wait and see. Uh, you can't judge a team until at least a month, six weeks into the season to really? see how, you know, all the pitchers throw, the bullpen. All these guys are hitting. That's not to say they can, you know, they can have a great second half and, and win it. But uh, you get a better idea what type of team is and what they might need. Good. That's right. it. My oh, name's Tom Zappala. My pal, Rico Americo, Americo Petroselli, Red Sox Hall of Famer. The name of the show is the Great American Collectible Show. We have a jam-packed show today. Uh, yeah. Before we bring in, first, we're going to bring in Lee Barons from... Uh, Sterling Sports Auctions. We've got Brian Dwyer, who's going to kind of co-host with us today. We've got Scott Russell. We've got our good friend Derek Grady. Crazy Derek is going to join us way later on. But first, our headlines. Renowned artist Fiorentino to offer card paintings via Collectible. Investment platform Collectible is making a move into the sports art space. The company announced last Wednesday that it would be partnering with well-known and illustrious watercolor artist James Fiorentino, who recently launched a new baseball card art series. There is only one, has him recreating replicas of the most iconic trading cards in the world. This partnership represents a, col a collision of two established asset classes, fine art and sports cards, says Ezra Levine, CEO of Collectible. Collectors keenly understand the importance of iconic underlying athlete and, and artist coupled with rarity and cultural importance. Through this exciting partnership, people of all income brackets are able to invest in art from one of the greatest sports artists of all time. In fact, many consider Fiorentino as important to sports art as Rockwell was to American art. For more information, you go to sportscollectorsdaily.com to read the whole article. That's Sports Collectors Daily. Great people, Rich Miller. All right, listen, uh, and by the way, Rico, uh, James, I don't know if you got an email, but we have some big stuff that includes you this summer with James Fiorentino that you're going to be, I'm jealous, but you're going to be very happy with. But in the meantime, let's bring in our good friend, Lee Barons from Sterling Sports Auction. Lee, how are you, brother? Good. Thanks for having me on again. 
Leah, you got a uh, you got a big auction that you've had going on for a couple of weeks. It's ending tomorrow night. Can you tell us about it? Sure. We got a, another great selection here for the uh, auction ending tomorrow night. Uh, biggest we got a couple of Ruths in there, Babe Ruth cards. Uh, there's it's got the largest non-baseball selection I've ever had in there, including rookies of Jim Brown, Al Cinder, Dr. J. Uh, it, it's got the pre-war stuff is loaded again, raw and uh, graded. I mean, I always have a good selection of raw and graded. And the vintage cards is just loaded with your big name Hall of Famers and your commons out there and everything. I even have soccer cards in there this time. I think it's the first time I had some soccer cards that have been offered. So, so let me ask you, using the soccer cards as an example, Lee, are there... Is, I mean, is there a market for that stuff? Yes, there certainly appears to be. The consigner, when he offered them to me, I, I re really was unsure of what he had there. And he gave me a little background on it. And I said, well, if you're willing, I'll take them on and let's see where they go. And so it, it's a lot of Panini from the 2000s World Cup and issues and stuff. But there appears to be quite the interest for that stuff out there, too. Hey, you know, Rico, by the way, I don't know if you're aware of this, but um, and this is legit. Your card has been rising nicely uh, in value. Did you know that? No, I didn't. <laughs> this is the truth. <laughs> I'm serious. So, No, I got, I got a question. Do you think, uh, Lee, uh, do you think that um, because of baseball and this all, you know, all this uh, lockout and stuff and, in recent years, it's kind of lost a you know a little bit of of uh, well a lot, some fans. You think that many of the collectors want to go well or not pissed off, but you know say, uh, you know I, I'm going to look at the football cards, basketball, etc. You know, because they might be a little angry. Or do you think if they're baseball lovers, they're going to go for baseball cards? Good question. Well, they, uh, what I noticed in the past, like in 94, when they had the strike and were locked out and stuff, there was still a lot of collectors out there that stopped watching baseball, but continued to collect cards. Hmm. Uh, so whether they were mad at the sport and didn't watch the modern game and, you know, that, they're still collectors, most of them. I mean, they didn't hear that too often where they got mad and I'm just selling everything. Yeah, You know, they still love their cards. And I think most of us have that embedded in us that our history and great memories for us. And you can't take away what's already there. Yeah. Lee, before I let you go, Rico, I have a question for you. Rico, were you ever involved in your career in a lockout? I, I don't remember. Were you? No, no. Strikes. You, yeah, but your strikes. strike was really shot, though, wasn't it? Yeah, it wasn't that long. The first one, 72, that was the first one. I think, how, uh, how long were you guys out for? I think it's 13 games. 13 days, but I think we lost, I'm not sure, but it's, I know we lost at least six games and then we lost the, uh, the pennant by, by half a game. Remember Detroit played That's one more game. Right. That's right. I forgot about that first time. So anyway, uh, and then yeah, you, but not a lockout. No, they didn't lock us out. So when you guys were on strike, though, that was it. You stayed home. You, did you work out? You guys couldn't even work out, could you? Yeah, we were in, uh, in 72. We were in Winter Haven. We went to Lakeland, and at 1 o'clock, no, one thirty-two, something like that, everybody got went off the field. Got the call. 
okay, that's it. And we walked out the field. The fans were saying, what's going on? This here? was in the middle of a game? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Good. Yeah. All right, Lee, what's your uh, website address? Uh, SterlingSportsAuctions.com. And just a reminder, at this current time, other than Minnesota, I do not need to charge sales tax on any state. And what time does the auction end tomorrow night? Uh, you need to get your initial bid in by 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to be allowed an extended bidding. At that time, then you can just bid on any item in the whole auction. Fantastic, brother. We wish you the best yeah. and good luck. Good luck. Thanks, Lee. Thanks Take for care. having me on. Take, Take care. care. Lee Barons from Sterling Sports Auction. Okay, we are now going to bring in our guest host, uh, a great guy. He has done a phenomenal job this year with his company, actually the last couple of years, our good friend Brian Dwyer from REA Auctions. Brian, how are you? Hey, Brian. Hey, Tom, Rico. Good to be here. Brian, man, you've had uh, you've had a banny year, a banny year. Um, you know, let's start off with the auction you already had. You had a very successful March auction. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, the March auction was our third encore auction of the the, the new the new year here, and it was our largest ever. So over twenty six hundred items ended uh, the other day, and uh, everything nineteenth century, twentieth century, modern cards, non sports. Uh, unopened wax. I mean, we had, we had such a variety and the bidders really, really loved it. That's great. That's, that's exciting. You know, and uh, your business is going good, but uh, could you tell us about the upcoming spring catalog auction? Yeah. Spring catalog auction. We're really, really excited for. So that opens in a couple weeks here, April 8th. We have uh, over 3,400 lots coming into that auction. Oh, wow. So no shortage of material. Uh, we've got some incredible highlights that I think have not been up for auction in 10, 20 years in some instances. So yeah. uh, lots, lots of excitement in store. Can you, uh, you can't share a few tidbits with us? Well, I brought one because I thought that you would, uh, I thought that you'd get a kick out of it. Oh man, another one. <laughs> so this will be coming up for auction on April 8th, uh, graded authentic, but really, really good looking cards. So uh, seven figures these days. And uh, we're excited to see what it goes for. Um, then we have uh, the, the number one set on the PSA registry for the E93 standard caramel. So that's got a PSA 8 Matthewson, Cobb, Wagner, PSA 9 Cy Young, uh, just incredible one of one, very low population cards. And then your run of the mill stuff like PSA 9, 57 Mantle. And, yeah, run of the mill uh, stuff. <laughs> PSA 39, you know, mm. so. Lots, lots of great items. Great. Brian, um, you said that you had 3,400 lots. Question in my mind is, do you accumulate lots and distribute them over the course of a year, depending on what your auction is going to be featuring? Or like, did you just accumulate these 3,400 lots over the last month? Uh, most of it is the latter. So uh, most of our auctions are built in under 100 days. So that means that we're accepting consignments from, you know, right when the last auction's live to a couple weeks before the next auction launches. Uh, occasionally, we'll get a really big collection where we know that we need to break it up over two or three or four auctions yeah. and then spread stuff out. But generally, people want to sell their stuff quickly and they want to get it to market quickly. And, uh, and we do it as quickly as we can for them. 
But then new customers that also uh, decide to sell, you know, to put them in an auction uh, or is it a, uh, or their repeats? Uh, yeah, repeats. And um, but the new people, I was just wondering, you know, if they say, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to consign this. Yeah, it's a great mix of both for us. I think that we have always specialized in catering to people outside of the hobby. So people who inherit stuff, people who find cards. Uh, we just got in a, a wonderful pre-war tobacco original owner collection, you know, 35 Hall of Famers, uh, rare backs, uh, just great, great stuff. Uh, a newly discovered Rose postcard of Christy Mathewson came in the other day. You know, wow. stuff that comes from people that are not um, regular customers and regular collectors. Then we have people that have discovered cards again, you know, throughout the entire pandemic. And, and now they're dipping their waters in as sellers. Um, and then uh, we have our regular repeat sellers. So it's, it's, a, it's a really great mix. Yeah. Brian, do, uh, how do they hear about you? I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a new consigner. I, 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 have a, I found something in my great-grandfather's trunk. Um, is it word of mouth? How, how, does, how does that whole process work that they come to REA auctions? How does that work? Is it, obviously, the reputation has a lot to do with it, but how do they make their way to Brian Dwyer? Yeah, so we're very fortunate in that we've been doing this for such a long time at such a high level that we've got tentacles everywhere. So some of this stuff is referred to us, uh, and that's a word of mouth recommendation. Some of it is just the fact that, you know, Google, people go to Google and they search for what they have and they see that we've sold something like that in the past. And then we spend considerable money trying to reach out to new people through social media and web advertising and print displays. And, you know, we're, we're trying to be everywhere so that we can uh, reach these new people, however, however they consume information. Do you have a uh a person that just handles that for you, the marketing, the advertising and all of that stuff? Yeah, so we work with a company, we work with a couple companies that handle various aspects of our marketing and advertising. Um, plenty of it's done in-house, plenty of it is done uh, year over year. But yeah, we do have some outsourced people that we work with. How do you think, uh, how do you think uh, inflation is going to, uh, is going to affect the, the whole industry and not only, let's say, your auction, uh, but the whole in the industry as a whole. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's a tough question to answer because there's some people that it'll affect very uh, significantly. It might curb their buying. It may, you know, not give them as much discretionary disposable income. On the higher end of the market, I don't think that we're going to see a lot of change to the market. We actually might see some more interest from buyers. Uh, who prefer to have these hard assets instead of, you know, keeping piles of cash around. So I, I don't know. But what we've seen so far through our, our Encore auctions, the one that just ended, and what we're hearing in advance of the spring auction is that the big the big buyers, the big ticket items, they're, they're not looking to be affected by inflation right now. You know, I've asked the smaller, you know, we had Leon a few minutes ago. We've had Scott Russell, uh, Al Christofoli. You know, it's it's I love it. The, I love the fact that there's there's room for everybody. You know, the small auction houses, they know what their niche is. The bigger auction houses know what their niche is. And it's just, a, it's almost like a, a fraternity, if you will, amongst all the auction houses. But I, I want to add a wrinkle to this, Brian, I, and I should have asked Lee this too. You and I have talked about the past. I wanted to, I wanted to, 
you to give me your opinion of fractional buying and what fractional buying is all about. Uh, Joe, uh, you know, Joe is with Collectible now uh, as the uh, uh, sports division president. And I know that fractional buying is kind of picking up ahead of steam. Is there a, can there be a happy medium between fractional buying and, uh, and, and straight auction houses? Absolutely. I mean, we've seen it already where there's tremendous resistance by some collectors to uh, adapt and to embrace fractional ownership. You know, they want to have complete control. They want to feel it. They want to touch it. They want to show it off to their friends. And they don't get that from a stock certificate or from a, uh, you know, a printout that says that they invested into this fractional offering. So, yes, I do think that at least for the immediate future, there's going to be no problem with traditional auction houses and fractional platforms coexisting uh, because there's there's just two different types of people, really. Now, what about, you know, I, I'm, I've spent a lot of time over the last month kind of really trying to understand the whole concept of fractional buying. And what about from this perspective where you can really, if, if, you're, if you're a pure hobbyist, slash investor that you can really build a really solid portfolio with both. In other words, you know what I'm saying? Like uh, your, your, your Wagner card is like your IBM stock. Um, a lot of people can't afford a Wagner card, but you know, they're, they're a solid blue chip uh, cards that are out there and pieces of memorabilia versus that million dollar piece that a lot of people can't buy. So you buy a piece of it, but you also have your blue chip stuff. Is that possible? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there's the opportunity and ability for both mindsets to coexist within the same collector. So you're going to have people that buy the cards that they can afford and they, they hold them and they show them off and they tote them around to shows. Uh, and then they additionally get exposure to higher end stuff that's outside of what they can normally afford by throwing some money into these IPOs from places like Collectible. So yeah, I think that there are people that are undoubtedly playing in both pools. Rico? I think that, uh, I get your opinion. I, I, I think it's the cards, it's like gold diamonds. I think it's a better investment than having cash. At this, I agree with you, man. Uh, you know what I mean? I mean, the way the economy is going, I'm not getting into polit politics or anything like that, but, you know, with the inflation, I mean, <laughs> I think they're safer. <laughs> I, I, I <laughs> you tell you what, saying? Rick, I'll tell you, you know what, what I mean, I, and Brian, you, you may be able to, yeah. to, to attest to this. I, I look at my collection, Rico, and I look at the return of my investment with my memorabilia and uh, vintage cards and a few modern over the last 15 years and the return of my investment, you know, we have investments, you know, we have uh, IRAs, we have 401ks, we have all that stuff. The return on my investment with my collection has actually been higher. Brian, I mean, is, is that fact or fiction? No, no, I think that's absolutely true. And I mean, anybody that's been doing this, I know I've talked about it on this show several times in the past. You know, I, I don't necessarily invest, or, or excuse me, recommend that people invest solely in these cards. And I agree. I, 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 uh, I think that cards, memorabilia as a, as a facet of your overall investment portfolio makes a lot of sense. 
Uh, I've done it myself personally. I've been doing it now for over a decade and it's it's worked out okay for me. You've got personal experience. And I mean, I think a lot of people that have been at this for any period of time can attest to that. Well, interesting, Rico, this is something that uh, I don't think I've ever mentioned to you. You know, we have, an, uh, Ellen and I have, we have a, an investment guy that we've been using for a long time. He's got two sons, great mm-hmm. athletes, and they're both collectors. They, and they're, they're, they have a very successful investment firm. Right now, they are learning every, because, you know, they're licensed, they're learning every aspect of the collectibles market and collecting and cards. And they're actually going to start recommending that as part of a, an investor's portfolio. I think uh, the industry, maybe some of the you, you know guys, uh, the companies should get in touch with these financial people because stockbrokers are not going to do it because, I mean, they, they might not get enough out of it. You know what I mean? They, yeah, I, they I their clients uh, with, with that because people might hold on to it, uh, the cards and all that. But uh, I, I think it's a it's a great hedge. It really <laughs> is. Cash. I, I agree. know. All right, listen, we're going to take a quick break. Brian is in the house. Brian Dwyer from REA Auctions. When we come back, we're going to chat a little more. Hang in there. We'll be right back. Since 1996, Brian Drent and the staff at Denver's Mile High Card Company have led the charge in the collectibles hobby. Mile High is a full-service dealer specializing in buying and selling cards and offers a competitive consignment program for all collectors. Whether it be their computerized want list service, appraisals, or auction services, Mile High has it all. If you've been searching for a company with a selection of high-grade vintage 1888 to 1970 baseball cards and memorabilia that shares your passion, aim high, mile high. Go to milehighcardco.com or call 303-840-2784 for more information. Hi, this is Dan from Memory Lane Auction and Collectibles Company. If you're looking to maximize your return on your sports cards and collectibles, look no further. We at Memory Lane Auction House offer you several options to achieve top dollar for your collectibles. Whether you're looking to auction or sell privately, we're the number one choice with over 17 years in the hobby. Nobody will work harder to achieve your goals. Just call us today at 877-606-5263. That's 877-606-LANE. Or visit us on the web at www.memorylaneinc.com. Go with the best. Go with Memory Lane. This is Brian Drent, president of Mile High Card Company. Is your sports card and memorabilia collection properly insured? For easily replaced personal property, homeowner's insurance is all most people need. But for prized possessions that you may have spent a lifetime collecting, it doesn't go nearly far enough. Collectibles Insurance Services has been insuring for over 50 years. They offer a full range of protection and a $0 deductible at an affordable rate with no appraisals required. I know because they insure my collection. If you have a minute, go to collectinsure.com and learn more about insuring your personal card or memorabilia collection. How would you like to own the bat that was used by your favorite player when he hit that towering home run or game-winning base hit? Now look no further than JT Sports, specializing in the sale and authentication of professional game-used bats. As the official authenticators of professional model game used bats for PSA DNA, 
JT Sports will guarantee the authenticity of any bat purchased from them. JT Sports also buys and sells game-worn uniforms, gloves, and baseball equipment. The unique quality of the collectible is what JT Sports is all about. Give them a call at 609-487-8003 or check them out at GameUseBats.com. Now on deck with Rico Pastorelli. Rico Pastorelli. <laughs> Hi, my name is Willie. Time for On Deck with Rico Pastorelli. Okay, it is time for... Viewers, they love this segment, Rico. Oh, uh, How do you know? Because I get emails and I get texts. Oh, it's time for that. our segment. <laughs> what? You know something? You're killing me today. It's time for our segment on deck with Rico brought to us by, believe it or not, our good friend, Brian Dwyer and the great staff at REA auctions. Don't forget to get your bid in by going to robertedwardauctions.com. That's Robert Edward auctions for extraordinary results and extraordinary service. Does a great job. All right, Rick, this is an interesting question. And by the way, here's what we're going to win. This is what this is one of my favorite pictures, Rico. You gave us a bunch of these. This is a signed picture of my friend Rico Petroselli catching the pop-up hit by Rich Rollins that, for all intents and purposes, clinched the 1967 pennant for the Boston Red Sox. What's cool about this picture that Rico brought to my attention is. This is Jim Lomborg's ass. And, be- <laughs> what? and behind Rico is Yaz jumping up and down. Right, Rick? Yes. Rico, does that, does that picture still bring back memories? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember anything. <laughs> you don't? Okay. Go ahead. All right. Here's the question. This question was submitted by Warren Hutchinson. Actually, it's two questions. Rico, were there many pitches that doctored the ball when you played? And if there were, what kind of doctoring? So did a lot of pitches doctor the ball when you played? Well, you don't know exactly how many, but there were probably a lot more than, you know, that was uh, that anyone knew about. But the one of the big things that uh, pitchers used, uh, a few of them, were very successful was what we call grease or say something like the texture of Vaseline. You know what I mean? Some actually were Vaseline and what they do is they put it on the uniform, their hat, their sleeve, their belts and all that. And then when it comes time when they were going to use it, you know, they just with their two fingers, you know, wipe that area and they get a little of grease and that ball really, sometimes it, dropped like a foot and by the way uh, brian you know feel free to you know well no it's, too. well hold on yeah, Rick, but but so if if someone was throwing someone was doctoring the ball and you were at and you were at bat and you knew that the ball was doctored would you bitch to the empire or just keep your mouth shut i wouldn't say anything yeah you know, because some of the pitchers that pitches that are doctored yeah. they weren't they, they didn't move as much just like any uh, hanger, you know, a hanging spitter. But really? guys, guys would you know, put it uh, in the old days. It would be, would be, you know, from uh, spit from your mouth, and uh, 
Now Perry like, was. I mean, Gaylord was like. I mean, well, yeah. I, I guess he was. Uh, I don't know. If it was a spitball or it was a fork ball, but anyway, he had a lot of people feel of you know, a lot of people fooled. But he was a heck of a pitcher. I mean, but sometimes he would even not doctor the ball, but he'd still be in their head, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. He'd get the rosin, and he just keep bouncing it up and you see this whole this white stuff around him and <laughs> yeah, he Did, was, didn't he once was it him or was it Gibson? No, it must have been him that the the ump went up to the mound and a, a file fell out onto the mound. Was that Gaylord? No. No, that was uh was it Gibson? No, I can't remember, but to be honest with you, it was uh Joe Coleman? No, it wasn't Phil Coleman. was it Phil Necro? Phil Negro, yeah, right. Phil's brother. What's his brother's Joe name? Joe Negro. Joe Negro. Oh, it was Joe Negro, yeah. Was it really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And there's in recent years, there's uh, one, another picture that got caught when it came out of his pocket. Oh, and then they used pine tar. Yeah, but pine, pine tar, tar, I mean, pine tar, oh. you, can, you can see it on the ball, though. Yeah, well, you know, they hide it. The, the, you know, they might have it underneath here or on top of the helmet. And you get just a little bit. And what that does is let you throw more velocity and a great curveball because it's interesting. Sticks. All right, let's get back to Brian. Brian, pretty yes. interesting stuff. Um, yeah. You want so, a piece? I know. It's just, I, I, find it, uh, I find it interesting. Um, Brian, what's hot right now in the market and what's not hot in the market? Mm-hmm. As far as <laughs> cards, as far as cards. Oh, okay. As far as cards, I mean, the, the top tier Hall of Famers seem to be setting records every every day. And uh, and rookie cards, they've always been popular. I, I think that's not slowing down. I mean, we've seen uh, strong prices lately. We had a 51 Bowman Maze that sold for an incredible price in a PSA 7 in our last auction. So uh, rookies, top tier Hall of Famers, I, th- I think those are, are, are very hot right now. As far as what's not hot... Uh, that's a tough question to answer because it seems like everything's breaking records these days. Um, you know, there's, there's some sets from pre-war era that maybe are falling out of fashion a little bit. Um, set collecting in general, maybe seems to be slowing down a little bit, but um, yeah, the whole market's doing really well. So it's hard. So, it's hard. As I said, so collectors are kind of handpicking now rather than, you know, uh, taking the plunge into a you know complete T two hundred five set or E ninety, they're just kind of picking and choosing and and just yeah. I mean so, that's kind of yeah. I mean that's that's what we're observing. I mean I think that set collecting is more prevalent among pre war collectors T two hundred five T two hundred six because there's a there's a pretty significant graded supply of those out there. But uh, I think that we're seeing graded set building on on like sixties and seventies stuff slow down a little right now because it's tough to get commons graded and it's, and the supply is not there like it used to be and it's cost prohibitive to do it yourself. So, um, you know, I don't think people are going to stop building T206 sets, but they might decide that a 70, 77 top sets better off in a binder. But Brian, I, when I first, when we first started, uh, the show and I, Tom was really, you know, he's knowledgeable about it. And I wasn't, of course, still. <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I was surprised uh, that uh, the Ted Williams, the Musial, guys like that, I thought, you know, and I said, well, these guys must be worth a ton too. You know, Ruth and, and Bannel and all the rest. 
And it was surprised to see that it that they they really weren't they were they weren't compared price wise and, and those guys you're, you're dead on Rico to, you're, to, you're yeah on. Mantle and them and uh, and Ruth and them and I just wondering is it over time you think that they will be the top guys or maybe maybe it's the fifties well, you know, hold the, on but it, to add to what Rico's asking Brian. Yeah. When we started, I, I'm in total agreement with Rico. The the, the Williams, the the Spawns, the mm. Musuals, um, even even some of the like uh, the Richie Ashburns, the uh, Al Kalines. I mean, those cars were really six seven years ago. Those cars were really not moving at all. But over the last couple of years, I mean, we've seen some growth with those cars. Correct. Yeah, for sure. And and so there's there's always been a pecking order, if you will, to the Hall of Famers. And so your guys like Ruth and Garrick and Cobb, they're they're at the top. Jackie Robinson's made a tremendous push. I mean, I think he's always been worthy of being up there, but lately his card prices have just escalated to a to a new level. Um, but yeah, you know, guys like McCovey and, and Ashburn, and you know, they're they're very reasonable. Their prices are ticking upwards right now because I, I firmly believe that a rising tide lifts all boats. But you could still put together collections of some of these really great ball players at a reasonable price. Now, what about the guys? Now, again, you know, we've talked about this a million times regarding Rico. Rico actually was one of the fortunate people in baseball to really, Rico, you play with really two distinct generations. I mean, you started with guys like Robin Roberts and Yaz and, you know, all, all of those guys you know, Mickey and Willie Mays. And then by the time your Hank Aaron, and by the time your career ended, you know, you were playing against Robin Yount and George Brett and, uh, and, you know, Rolly fingers and those guys. What about that era of players, Brian, the guys from 1972 to 90 to the, to the, I don't know, mid eighties, the Robin Younts of the world, the George Brett's, the, uh, uh, you know, that, that crew, uh, yeah, Dave I mean, Winfield. Yeah. The Mike Schmitz. I mean, there, there's huge collectability among those players. Unfortunately, a lot of those players parallel the overproduction and oversupply in, in the baseball card world. So yeah. you're almost capped at a certain extent, uh, or to a certain extent at, at what they could be worth. Um, but yeah, I mean, Mike Schmidt, George Brett, Robin Yount, those guys, they're, they're favorites and they always will be, and they'll be remembered as the best of their generation. I just don't know that we're going to be talking in 10 years about, you know, Hey, these, uh, 79 George Bretts are worth $30,000 a piece. And that's simply because of the overproduction of the cards. I think so. Yeah. Ah, Rick, that makes sense. Rico, huh? Yeah. 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 It certainly does. Nolan Ryan. Uh, you know, one of the greats, uh, is another guy. Uh, I mean, other than his rookie card, yeah, Rick, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, his rookie card is pretty other good. Other than right? that, but other than, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of cards that, are, you yeah, know, a lot of Nolan Ryan cards that are that not worth much, yeah. But that's is more room, as uh, as Brian said, <clears throat> for people, you know, to get deals, so to speak. Oh, that's a good know, point, reasonable prices, and that's a good, this good time to do it. I mean, uh, so, uh, yeah, I just, I wondered, you know, when I came in, I, Tom was saying, of course, Ruth is a million this, uh, Mickey Mantle, 52 rookie, which I had one, uh, was gone for 5 million uh, eventually, uh, but at that time was like uh, a million two. 
And I said, boy, Ted Williams must be up there, you know, yeah, couple it of million and usual and all that. But they weren't. I was just surprised. Yeah, yeah. no, that's a good point. Great point. Very good point, Rick. Oh, um, what about non-baseball cards, Brian? Uh, I, like in your auction, you your, your auctions tend to, I mean, you're all over the place with uh, uh, diversification of what you're auctioning off. What about cards? Well, I know I know basketball, like modern and ultra modern basketball is like off the charts right now. And I know you're 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 getting into it more and more. What about basketball cards from the seven sixties, seventies, eighties? Is that is that is that in the same category? Yeah, so I mean they're always gonna be collectible, but I, I don't know that um you know, I don't know that we're gonna see huge spikes in those sets. I think that you're gonna have guys like Kareem and Chamberlain and, you know, again, the greats from that era that will, that will always rise above the rest, but um, you know, set building, like I mentioned earlier, I, I just don't know that we're going to see that blossom and continue to grow as we move further and further on. And uh, obviously hockey and football are second cousin to all of that. Yeah, we, we deal with those sports much less than we do basketball now and then certainly baseball. But, you know, we always have prided ourselves on on having a good variety. So we have a very diverse client base. We have clients in over two dozen countries. We have people that come to us exclusively for hockey. They come to us exclusively for soccer. They come to us exclusively for non-sports, uh, Pokemon. So, you know, we're, we're always trying to get something for everyone. It's tough, but we try. We had forward- Go ahead, Brian. Go ahead, Rick. I'm sorry. No, I was, uh, was going to ask you, you're looking forward to the national in. Uh... <laughs> I am. It's a home game for us. So. I know. Yeah. It's uh, a home yeah. game for us, too. Yeah. yeah. Except so I have really... to drive in a car for six hours with Petroselli. The <laughs> last time that happened, him and I, we yeah, almost killed each other. No, we didn't. We just, we had a nice ride. When you come down from Boston, you stop over at our office. It's about halfway. It will give you a tour and then you'll uh, break oh, up your trip a little bit. But, yeah, yeah, we're nice. really, we're going to have a really big display this year, the biggest we've ever had. And, um, you know, looking forward to having one in AC. This is uh, for Ellen and I, this is Enrico and, and JM. JM is going to be coming with us. So we're going to see if we can get David down with us, the whole gang. We're going to be broadcasting from the Burka stage, but we're also, it's the, you know, the book launch uh, for Ellen and I at the PSA booth of the new book uh, that's going to be released at the National that uh, we are really, really excited about. I know you're familiar with the collection, the uh, Ken Kendrick collection, uh, the Diamondbacks collection, and we're really, really excited about it. It's uh, quite the collection, Brian. It really oh, is. Incredible. It's incredible. And I can't wait to see the book. I know you guys have been working really hard on it, but uh, good, good material makes writing a book real easy. Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, we we've been invited. We, this uh, we've got a lot of traveling. This year. we've got the Philly show, uh, then we've got uh, the national, and then uh, we're going to be going over to Cooperstown. Uh, possibility we'll be there for Hall of Fame weekend doing a book signing there. So it's going to this is going to be a be a lot of fun. What's we are the, chatting with. I'm sorry, go ahead, Rick. No, uh, it's just what's the date, folks that are listening? Might be, oh, you know, first That's time. That's a good question. The national is the last weekend in July, Brian. Right around the 28th. Usually, yeah. I was going to see if I could grab a calendar here, but I think it's usually that last week of July, going right into the first week of August. Yeah, that'll be fun. Mm-hmm. We're chatting with Brian Dwyer, Rico. While we're, uh, we're taking a little break here, why don't you, you know, earn some money here and tell our good friends about 
our friend James Fiorentino, probably the best artist in the country. Well, that's the question I was going to say before you rudely interrupted me was that uh, <laughs> is James going to be there? Yes. I mean, that, oh, good, good, because you got to see his stuff in person. Oh, hold on. Before you read about James, you know, yeah. th there is a uh, I don't even know if you're aware of this, but can I can I this is like a uh, a surprise, but I'm going to I'm going to spill it right now. James Fiorentino is going to be painting a Rico Petroselli rookie card in oil. And he's going to be doing your card and he is going to be coming down this summer uh -huh. and he's going to present it to you on the air. And then hopefully we'll go to a Red Sox game. So oh, he's he's wow. doing he's doing a painting of your That's... rookie card. That is going to be very cool. Oh man, very cool. Well, we've seen his work, and we know it's, he's really good. But if you want to own a piece of sports history at an affordable price, take a look at the magnificent high highest resolution prints of famed artist James Ferrantino. Check out the link here on the screen, and you'll be amazed at renderings of some of the greats like Clemente, Ruth, Brady. Jordan, and some of the greatest athletes to ever grace the sports landscape, like Tom Zappala. Very affordable, limited editions capture every shade of the original work. And yes, they're individually signed by James. Prices for these art gems range between 200 and 400, which is a bargain, folks. And uh, will look spectacular in your office or collectibles room. Typically, a James original sells for five figures, but you can purchase one of his affordable re reproductions now and cherish it forever. Go to James Fiorentino, F-I-O-R-E-N-T-I-N-O dot com slash forward slash store and purchase your personal work of art. James Fiorentino, in our opinion, is the greatest sports artist on the planet. Really, we feel that way. All right, Brian, your website address, sir? That's robertedwardauctions.com. robertedwardauctions.com. Great company. Uh, Brian, Great company. Uh, wishing you the best. You've done a fabulous job. This next auction is going to be a killer auction. Uh, you've just, you've done a great job and we look, really look forward to seeing you. Uh, are you going to be at the Philly show also after the national? Uh, potentially we will definitely have a presence there. Whether or not I'm there remains to be seen, but, uh, definitely we'll be in Atlantic city all week. Well, well hey, hey, by the way, uh, if you're at both shows or just the one, uh, we want to take you out to dinner and Tom's buying. I knew you was going to say that Rico is, he's got the deepest pockets in the history of major league baseball, but you know something, Brian, we'd love to take you out. Rico and I and Ellen would love to take you out. It'd be great. You guys have uh, been great supporters of REA and uh, we love this program. So happy to do it. Take care. Thanks, Brian. Take care. Brian Dwyer. Right, we're going to take a break. We come back. We've got uh, Scott Russell's going to spend a few minutes with us. And then if they can find him, probably Friday, uh, well, it's Friday while we're recording, he could be in jail, uh, Derek Grady. With that being said, we're going to take a quick break. Hang in there. We will be right back. If you are a discerning collector interested in owning the most important pieces in the hobby, look no further than Leland's Auctions. 
the original sports auction and appraisal house, Leland's was established in 1985 by legendary pioneer founder Joshua Leland Evans. And today, President Mike Hefner carries on the tradition. From the Tom Brady card and memorabilia collection, to the famed Boston Garden auction, to high-end card auctions from every major sport, Leland's has always maintained the highest standards. Go to Leland's.com and get your bid in. That's Leland's, the hobby's leading sports auction house for four decades. It's often been said that championships are won on the practice field, and world records come only to those willing to work harder than everybody else. Heritage Auctions is the world's largest collectibles auctioneer because we believe that becoming the best is only an invitation to the challenge of remaining the best. This requires the skills of the hobby's top experts, capable of identifying and maximizing value for our consigners. It requires the most visited website in the industry, courting a global audience of collectors over a million and a half strong. It requires a dedicated press department that expands our global reach far beyond the entrenched hobby marketplace. It's hard work, but a simple premise. Present the finest collectibles to the largest population of potential buyers, and world records will come. We invite all listeners to put the unmatched power of Heritage Auctions to work for you. Auction evaluations are always free, and our commission-based fee structure ensures that our interests are always aligned. The highest possible price for your collectibles. There will always be new world records to chase, so let's chase them together. Visit our website at ha.com and request your no-obligation review today. Hi, this is Dan from Memory Lane Auction and Collectibles Company. If you're looking to maximize your return on your sports cards and collectibles, look no further. We at Memory Lane Auction House offer you several options to achieve top dollar for your collectibles. Whether you're looking to auction or sell privately, we're the number one choice with over 17 years in the hobby. Nobody will work harder to achieve your goals. Just call us today at 877-606-5263. That's 877-606-LANE. Or visit us on the web at www.memorylaneinc.com. Go with the best. Go with Memory Lane. Pristine Auction is a family-owned and operated online auction specializing in autographed memorabilia, sports cards, coins, art, and collectibles. Since their founding in 2010, they've grown to two facilities in Phoenix, Arizona, totaling over 60,000 square feet. Jared Cavalier and an incredible staff of over 150 team members serve a very large customer base and enjoy every minute of it. By working with leading authentication companies, Pristine ensures all items are 100% authentic. In addition, third-party authenticators regularly travel to Pristine Auction to provide authentication services on-site. Pristine Auction strives to operate its business in a way that's honoring to God, their families, and their customers. With a strong focus on speed, quality, and premier customer service, their mission is to be the leading online auction for every level of collector and fan. Pristine also works for Hope Sports and Identity Hoops International, traveling to Mexico to build houses for the less fortunate. Pristine Auction offers several online auction formats with thousands of auctions ending each day. For more information, go to pristineauction.com. That's Pristine Auction, the best in the business. With so many fakes out there, it's hard to figure out if the sneakers you want are real. But when you buy eligible sneakers on eBay, you can be confident they're genuine 
because every pair goes through a meticulous authentication process. Introducing eBay Authenticity Guarantee. First, the sneakers you've purchased are inspected by a team of professional authenticators who carefully examine the shoes, including color, pattern, logos, and materials. Then they're measured and compared to the eBay listing to make sure they match. Even the laces, accessories, and box are checked. Once your sneakers are verified, they receive an authenticity tag, and every tag is NFC-enabled so you can see the detailed specs. eBay Authenticity Guarantee. No fakes, no fraud, no doubt. Okay, we are back. <laughs> Listen, all I'm saying is we're back, and behind the scenes, behind stage, there's like a lunatic. There's a lunatic lurking that we're going to bring on in a second. But before we do that, Rico, why don't you continue on with our eBay read? I will. <laughs> okay. E- eBay is the place to go. As you know, I've said it many times for all your memorabilia, sports or non-sports cards, autographs, and much more. Whether it's a gift for that special someone, I was thinking about you, Tom, getting you a gift because you're special. Well, you, you should get me something. Yeah, oh, I will. How about a fishing you. rod? I'll take a yeah, new fishing rod. Stick a dynamite. Uh, or you want to just add to your collection. eBay's huge marketplace should be your first stop. And if you sell, now's the time to flip your cards and get some extra cash. I shop on eBay all the time. That's really good. Yeah, uh, that's eBay, connecting buyers and sellers globally. All right, so we're going to bring in our next guest, and I use that term very loosely. We're going to bring him in, but then I want to talk about our good friend, Joe Drolick. But with us right now is he's been like missing in action for a little while, Rico. Our good friend from Heritage Auction. You ever think of something that he doesn't want to come on the show, that they're forcing him to come on? I believe that. Well, I don't know. Derek Grady, how Derek, are you, Derek? Hey, guys. I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing very well. Derek, you, you, I'm like busy. you look a little puffy. Have you put on a few pounds? You know, I make, you know, okay. You want to make it personal already? Just I come on your show, attract an extra, you know, four thousand people to the show. I'm, I'm just on. asking. Please. All right, listen. Who knows? Because I travel a lot, so I eat like crap in airports. And, I, you know, I've seen you. I've seen you yeah. in action. I right, listen. Before we talk, we chat with Derek. We want to talk about our good friend Joe Drellick. The CSA shows is proud to present the Chantilly Show, being held on April first to April third, held the Dulles International. Uh, Dulles Expo Center in Chantilly, Virginia, just minutes from the Dulles International Airport, celebrating over 25 years at the same location. There's going to be over 300 dealers, including Derek, uh, tables exhibiting on over 100,000 square feet of space. With both vintage sports cards and memorabilia, as well as modern day sports treasures, you won't have to look very far for that special card, bat, ball, or autograph. Major auction houses and third-party grading companies will be on site to assist you with your collecting and authentication needs. Some of the greatest players to ever grace the gridiron, Derek, are scheduled to appear, including NFL Hall of Famers Chris Carter, Jim Kelly, Barry Sanders, Emmitt Smith, along with Super Bowl champ Tony Dorsett, and our Patriots running back Damian Harris. For more information, go to www.csashows.com that's the chantilly show where you can find all of your sports collectible treasures are you going to be there you know i'm not going to be in chantilly why I'm going to be in, because i'm going to be in strongsville next weekend 
I just got off the road finally to come back to work for a deadline for our May auction. Then I go to Strongsville. And then, then there's a Boston show two weeks after Strongsville. It doesn't end. You know, Rico and I, can you believe it? We're not going to be at the Boston show because we are I can. going. Well, we're both leaving. Uh, I'm leaving the next week. And Rico, I believe, Rico, you're leaving the 6th. Is that when you're leaving the 6th? Leaving where? To go home. You're talking about now? Uh, yes. What the hell are you talking about? I'm talking about when you're heading back to Boston. All right, uh, March 31st. All right, so Rico may be there. I won't. Well, he's not going to stop in. Come on. No. Yeah, no. no. You know. Derek. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do. He's not going. He's not going to just swing by the that show. Won't let me in. He no. doesn't. They won't. He doesn't. You they know, I, Rico. Actually, you know something. Though? I was surprised, uh, Derek, that I didn't realize that Altman's family is going to continue on with the show. I think that's a great yeah, thing. I think it is. I think yeah. they had. They have a lot of talent there in that family and his company, and they're going to continue it on. And I think that's what he'd want. And, you know, the last show is very good. The, you know, the market is great still and the shows are busy and why not continue to have it? Is Hollywood, is, is Hollywood collectibles? I mean, are they still going great guns down here? In I Florida? believe they are. I haven't, you know, talked to them since I see them at the shows, but I mean, other than that, I think, yeah, still has a large inventory. Still has a lot of business to be done there. So I think so. Uh, you've had a banny year. Uh, you just uh, you just ended. You have an auction going on right now, though, don't you? Um, um, we have a March showcase. Between show, you know, we obviously always have our Sunday night sales that end every Sunday. Right. They're getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Then we have our monthly showcase auctions, months we don't have a catalog. We have another installment of the David Hall T206 collection coming up with some rare backs and tough cards, some high-grade cards. That's in April. You know, then we're, we're still taking in consignments for our May catalog auction, which is going to be four to five thousand lot. It's going to be crazy. There's I mean, always a deadline, always something coming up. You know, we had Brian uh, Brian Dwyer on earlier. Rico and I were, were chatting with Brian, and I, I, I've never asked you this question, Derek. But the the consignments that you have, do you guys accumulate them over the course of a year? In other words, no. I mean, do you have do you have so it's from auction to auction? Well, I mean, keep in mind, not everybody has a collection like David Hall that has five or 6,000 T206s, which one of them spread out over time. But we built an auction. I'm telling you right now, at Heritage, I could pop up another auction in a month time and advertise, email, put up a website hero for it. And next thing you know, we would get flooded with consignments. I mean, every auction, we add an auction, it gets, you know, immediately filled. And we're still adding stuff for May. Then the next one is a July card only auction, cards and tickets. Then we have the platinum night auction. So we, we, if anything, we add, we're going to have a Muhammad Ali auction coming up, separate Muhammad Ali collection. We, you know, it's just, it's business is, is booming. It's really good. Jump in anytime. No, I like that idea of having, you know, individuals or even this, let's say, uh, I don't know if you could, can you do a, a team, a team auction? Uh, you know, you know the oh, you're, so you're saying themes. It's like themed theme? theme. theme. Yeah. T-E-A-M. Oh, a okay. Team. No, I mean, I would say we could, oh. but, yeah. but, you know, we want it to, to make it worth the while of the, of the cost of the catalog and the advertising and everything. You know, we kind of need to do it by sport. We did a very successful basketball auction. Remember when Jordan was super hot yeah. with the basketball guys, Kobe and LeBron, and they still are, don't get me wrong. But we did a modern basketball auction that did four or five million bucks. Yeah. So we do need to do more, in my opinion, 
you know, and, and, and by the way, a single owner auction, like the David Hall auction, if you give us a, you know, six figure collection, whether it's four or 500,000 or something like that, you know, we can do your own auction. That's one thing we're able to do is have a separate or a theme, definitely do a theme for yeah. sure. Hey, Derek, so many of us. That's great. Good. I have that's a, a... Uh, I have a uh, non-sports question from you. Okay. I, for you. I got a call yesterday from a, a dear friend down here in Florida who got a call from an old friend of his whose father or grandfather passed away. And he was uh, going through his trunk and his, his father was uh, a prominent entertainment guy in the 50s. And he discovered... A, this is a non-sports, a handwritten letter signed by Adolf Hitler. Any value to that? There definitely is. It's not something heritage, you know, it's, you know, something we don't sell because of what he did and what are represented as one of the most evil humans in the world that yeah. ever existed, you know, so it's not something we sell. Obviously it has historical value and his signature is worth money. It's just not something we don't sell Nazi memorabilia or just as a company decision. No, that's you know? good. I, I agree. Personally, I agree with that. Yeah, but it does have value. I just, And there are auction houses that will do it. You know, he's in the Horrors of War set. So we've sold a couple of his cards there. Yeah. You know, but I mean, other than that, or he's been on some comic books, but, you know, we're not selling his his bio Mind calm, but we're not selling, you know, autographs of his or anything like that. So, all right, but yes, it has value. All right, now follow up question, which I haven't seen. He's going to send me pictures, and I'm going to forward them to uh, to John Tarby. He also thinks that, well, he said that he has a Willie Mays signed bat from the late '50s. However, mm-hmm. he doesn't know if it's a gamer or a store bought. There's a big difference in the value there if it's a game used bat versus a store bought bat even if Willie signed it back in the fifties, correct? Oh yeah. It's a minimum <clears throat> difference. You know, and a, a graded low maze bat is probably five grand. If it's graded high, it can be 50 grand. So yeah, maze bat yeah, and a regular store bought. You can hundred. tell though. Can't you tell from the, the store yeah. board bots? You, I mean, you know something, Miko? I, I don't can. know. He can't. Tom can't. But Tom doesn't even look like his picture behind him. And those <laughs> right? are two separate oh, hold guys. On a I said. Can I yeah. tell you something? Those are two separate guys. Look at him. Hey, look hold at on. Him. Hold on. Hold on. I, I want to qualify. I want to qualify what you're saying. I'm the only guy that, that has hair. Yeah, but hold on. I yeah, that's fact, true. I don't know if I can show you this, but you guys are going to be pretty impressed if I can. You look pretty this. weak in that picture. Okay. Right, so you look better now with a goatee. It's like an accountant. An accountant, you know, like. First of all, First of all, I'm going to show you a picture. Jeez. Looks like this, he was having a drink at the Blue Oyster. Go ahead. This, would you guys both give me a He's break? He's got guts to put, leave that picture up. Now listen, I it's, I'm changing it. No, I me, hope so. Here's the background, Mr. Pitt. This picture was taken when the T206 book came out. So oh, that yeah. is in, uh, uh, I don't 19, know. 1927. 13 or 14 years ago. Uh, now. Put some hair on the wall. You actually look too, a little better. Chrissy. I don't know if you're going to be able to see this, but I'm going to put Ellen and I just had new pub photos for the new book. Chrissy, can you see this? There's a lot of shine there. Is that is it? Yeah, we can't see yeah, not it. Really. No, we can't see it. You can't yeah. see it? Put a hat on. Jeez. <laughs> 
Can, <laughs> you guys you? should see. I mean, I look oh, wait, fantastic. That looks a little better. Wait, no, I don't even know what you no, did. Now it's cool. No, it's nothing. Oh, well, right. It looks better yeah. when it's nothing. Surprise us when we go. Well, I think it's a great picture, and I think yeah. I love you. But it's anyway. Cool. Wow. Okay. See, Lee, this is how when you bring and he, say, and he says there, you're sick. Yeah. <laughs> See, this is what you do here when you're doing an interview with them. It just goes off the rails if you're always does. All right, so listen, wait a minute. Now you're coming in on the when is the uh, the Altman show? Yeah, that's uh, April. Is it the seventh? It, no, I'm going in on the seventh. So whenever that second weekend of April is, second weekend of April, because if Rico's back. Well, Rico will be back. Rico will do the next show with me. He'll be in the studio. I'll still be here. If that's the case, and it's right around that time, you're going to be there. Why don't you go into the studio uh, with Rico and uh, kind of co-host with him? And I, if I'm up, yeah. What what day is it? Friday? Uh, no, we're we're moving to Tuesdays. We won't be up there on a Tuesday. Well, then you're out. Yeah, you're out there. Come on. All right. I mean, which, and then mind. you're out yeah. too. All right. What's your website address? We got to wrap it up. Uh, ha.com. Go to sports. Derek Grady, we love you. You know what Great you, to see you, Derek. We, we love you. You know what you hey, Good to see us. you guys. Tough to put you through this hell with the, on the show. But <laughs> I know. I need to we guest to host <laughs> whenever Tom's not around. Maybe All right, listen. Uh, special guest, special <laughs> thanks to Lee, Lee Behrens uh, from Sterling Sports Auction. Who won, the, who won the prize? Oh, right here. I forgot. To, I got to do that real quick. Oh, good. David's going to shoot me. Uh, hold on. This is another. I'm going to give another one of these out to Rico Petroselli. Sign. Is it authenticated? Or did you yeah, sign well, it? Because you no, couldn't get Rico. Okay. okay. Well, I said, yeah. David Brooks. David Brooks, you win. Oh, David. Oh, David I don't know Brooks. David Brooks. You have one week to get in either. touch with us. If I don't hear from you in a week, you're out. I need your address. With that being said, Derek, thanks again. Yeah, Derek. Special Great thanks to uh, Brian Dwyer from REA and from our good friend Lee Behrens at Sterling Sports Auction. Obviously, Scott wasn't able to make it. Scott Russell. We'll get him next time. With that being said, Rico, I love you. Oh, yes. Say hi to the beautiful Elsie. <laughs> Wait you a guys. minute. And with that being said, happy collecting. Happy collecting. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.